Hello there, and welcome to the 20th episode of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and let's get you up today. So, we got some things to talk about here on this week's episode. And, unfortunately, we don't have as many games to talk about as we all thought we would because the Blue Jays have been off the entire weekend because of the whole pandemic situation between the Marlins and they spread that to the Phillies, but we don't know if they actually did because Major League Baseball is kind of confident that those positive tests, the two positive tests that the Phillies had were false positives and they're going to be looking to start playing again against the Yankees tonight. But for the Blue Jays, they were forced to spend Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday in Washington because of the fact that they had nobody to play. And while some people tweeted out there, suggested that, well, the Blue Jays should just play the Nationals again since they're literally right there and the Nationals had nobody to play either because they were supposed to play the Marlins this past weekend. But the problem with that is the Blue Jays and Nationals weren't slated to play each other anymore for the rest of the season. So if you change the schedule so that the Blue Jays and Nationals play each other, say, two or three more times, then you have to take away some games. You have to play. You have to take away two or three games from another another NL East team, so probably the Phillies, and then you have to force them to play that amount of games against a different AL East team. It just creates a scheduling nightmare. That's why Major League Baseball didn't do that, and that's why the Blue Jays did not play any games this past weekend. But they did play a four-game series against the against Washington before they were forced to take a long weekend off. And it was no case series. They started out with a bang and won the first two games of the series, but then dropped the next two. And while taking two out of four against the defending World Series champions is probably a success in most Blue Jays fans' eyes. Um, But when you look over the games, the Blue Jays definitely could have won three of four, maybe even a series sweep. Now let's get into those games. So game one that took place way back on Monday, the Blue Jays won four to one against the Nationals thanks to a outstanding performance from Teoscar Hernandez in the leadoff spot who was filling in for the injured Bo Bichette. And out of nowhere, Teoscar Hernandez led off the game with a bomb. And then he followed it up later in the game with another solo shot. So he was basically the the entire offense for the Blue Jays on that day. And Trent Thornton had a decent start for the Blue Jays. He went four. He only gave up one run, but he allowed eight hits, a pair of walks. And he was kind of bailed out by some let's say, poor at-bats for the Nationals. They struggled with runners in scoring position. They only went two for 10, which helped out Trent Thornton. But after he came out of the game, Ryan Brockie came in, made his season debut, looked pretty good. 
And Jordan Romano, again, has looked lights out. He looked lights out again in game one of this series. And with Giles on the IL, Bass came in in the ninth inning, gave up one hit, but got a strikeout and got his first save of this season. So it was a good start to the series for the Blue Jays. Then in game two, they took it up a little bit of a notch and they won five to one. And Teoscar Hernandez leading off again with Bo Bichette out of the lineup, still recovering from his sore hamstring. Didn't have any home runs, but he went one for, one for four with an RBI and a walk. So another decent performance out of him. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who has struggled this season, recorded his first home run of the season in Game 2 of this series. And the Blue Jays actually manufactured the rest of their runs, which in the first game of this series did not happen at all. And then you got five solid innings from Tanner Roark. He only gave up three hits, one run, one run, and had five strikeouts. Very impressive performance from Tanner Roark, making his uh, first start with the Blue Jays. And then after him, Jacob Waggispack came in, also looked good, went two innings, didn't surrender a hit, only one walk, got two strikeouts. Wilmer Font came in and looked pretty impressive as well. One inning, two strikeouts, set them all down. And then AJ Cole came out, not in a save situation, but he came out, allowed one hit, got two strikeouts, and the Blue Jays took game two of this series. And once again, the Nationals struggled with runners in scoring position, going one for four. Um, and the Blue Jays were riding high, taking the first two games of the series. And then when they were technically the home team of this series, because we all know they really don't have a home yet Buffalo still isn't ready so when they became the home team the offense kind of dwindled away um, they only had three hits in game three and they really struggled with runners in scoring position so did the Nationals but the Blue Jays especially going 0 for 8 leaving six runners on base and to make matters worse they also had 16 strikeouts in the game. Danny Jansen had a trio of strikeouts. San Diego Espinal had a trio of strikeouts. T. Oscar with a pair. Gurriel with a pair. And Vladdy with a pair. But on the pitching mound, Nate Pearson was dealing. And he was going up against one of the best pitchers in the league in Max Scherzer, who... Went seven and a third and generated 10 strikeouts. But Pearson, making his major league debut, went five strong, only allowed two hits, two walks, and five strikeouts for the young hurler. And while his velo was down a tick, he only averaged 96 miles per hour with his four seamer. Normally, he averages around 97, 98 with his four-seamer. But after he got through the first two innings, his velo picked up a bit, and he started throwing 97 and 98. Um, and what also changed for him, too, is that through the first couple innings, 
he really only threw his four-seamer and slider. He didn't throw his changeup, his curveball, even threw a sinker in the game as well. But he didn't throw those pitches by design to keep the Nats hitters off balance. He only brought those pitches into his, um, to his repertoire in the middle innings. So when he came through for the, or he, when he was going through the Nats lineup a second time, and he didn't really get through a third time, but when he went through the second time, they had a completely different look. And that was a really smart move by Pearson and the Blue Jays' uh, 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 pitching coach, Pete Walker. And it really paid off for Pearson as well. Um, and to me, the kid looks ready. He looks like he is ready to be in the rotation from this point on. You know, I, I know it's a shortened season and there was no minor league season anyway. But uh, the kid looks good. I know people were worried after his exhibition start in Boston. His, his velo was down a lot. And he got lit up through the first inning. But as he said after the game, he didn't, real, he didn't really feel nervous in this start. He, he, he actually described it as Boston was his major league debut. And this was kind of his second start. And by design, that makes a lot of sense. And for the Blue Jays, a tip of the cap for giving him a start in Boston because even though there's no fans, even though there was an exhibition game going on, he was still in a major league ballpark with major league hitters. So to him, that felt like his major league debut. And this time around, he was more poised, composed, and it showed on the mound which is great moving forward, even though the Blue Jays' offense was shut down by Max Scherzer and we had a bit of a uh, debacle in extra innings because Shunya Maguchi was on the mound in a high-leverage situation once again. And I get Charlie Montoyo's decision because he said there was nobody else available, even though Thomas Hatch was warming up in the bullpen. Um, I, I just, Shinya Maguchi has not looked good ever since coming over from Japan. And I don't understand why he would throw out, throw out Yamaguchi in a tie game in extra innings when Thomas Hatch is warming up in the bullpen after you see him struggle. To me, I, I, I get Charlie wanted to give Hatch another day off. And Hatch did come out in the final game of this series. But game three could have been a victory for the Blue Jays. And if Hatch is out there instead of Yamaguchi, he probably doesn't give up four runs. So I, I know it, it was a tough situation for, for Montoyo, but at the same time, I really think Hatch would have done significantly better than Yamaguchi. And to make things worse, he put Sam Gaviglio in another high leverage situation again in this game, which almost blew up in his face if it wasn't for Jordan Romano coming out and cleaning up his mess. So Yamaguchi and Gaviglio can't be in high leverage situations anymore. It just can't happen. 
And I know it's tough if you don't have anybody else available, but now that Nate Pearson is in the rotation, you have Kay and Hatch both in the bullpen along with Yamaguchi, who I certainly trust more in high leverage situations than I do Yamaguchi and Sam Gaviglio. So, and even Wilmer Font. Throw him out there in a high leverage situation instead of Gaviglio and Yamaguchi because with Giles on the IL, your options are kind of limited. And, and, and earlier in the season as well, I know it's, <laughs> we're, we're still early, but um, through the Tampa Bay series and, and through the first game of this series, Dolice did not look good at all. He looked completely wild. His splitter did not look the same as it did over in Japan. He did straighten it out in the final two games of this series, but he didn't look good either. So Montoyo probably couldn't trust him in a high leverage situation. So I just, I have a really big issue with his decisions and you know, it's not like he's gonna get fired. I'm not calling for him to get fired. But it's just something to keep an eye on as we move forward because if this stuff happens in September and the Blue Jays are fighting for a playoff spot or are in a playoff spot and this costs them games because of his decision to throw out Gavilio, to throw out Yamaguchi in high leverage situations, then it's going to be a bad look for Montoyo at the end of the year. Again, he's not going to get fired. So let's put that to bed right now. He's not getting fired. He's not getting fired at the end of this season. He's not getting fired before the start of next season. And he probably isn't getting fired during the middle of next season. So he has a long leash. That said, if the Blue Jays want to make, a, make the playoffs, these mistakes cannot happen anymore. So let's remain optimistic and let's move forward. So. To the final game of this series between the Nationals. Hunjin Ryu took the mound. Looking to rebound after his, his iffy debut. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. And in his words, he could have been a lot better. Uh, this time out, he looked even worse than game one. He only went four and a third. Couldn't even finish the fifth inning. Allowed nine hits. Five runs, one walk, did get, did get five strikeouts, and he allowed a home run as well. And the Blue Jays gave him a decent amount of run support, but he just dug the team in too much of a hole to dig themselves out of. And he looked really wild with all his pitches. And I'm going to get into it a little bit later in the episode, but... The Vila was down for Ryu with his four-seamer and his sinker. And through two starts, he's had to rely more on his slider than he's had to over the last three, four years, which isn't so good because his slider isn't his best pitch. His changeup, as we all know, is his best pitch, but he also relies heavily on his four-seamer as well. But because his four-seamer ticked under 90 miles per hour, Hitters were able to crush it. And again, like I said, I'm going to get into the analytics and the numbers part a little bit later, but it's, it's not good. It's not good for you, but there's, there's no, there's, don't 
push the, the alarm button. No need to panic. We're only through two starts. But, you know, 60-game season, he's probably only going to get, like, 10 starts this season. He's through two, so Blue Jays need him to rebound if, if they're going to do something. And offensively, the Blue Jays looked great uh, uh, on Thursday. They generated 11 hits, four runs, and Hernandez, once again, mashed at the plate for the Blue Jays. Another two home runs for him. Biggio hit his second of the uh, second of the series. Biggio let off the bottom of the first. First game back with a leadoff double. Gurriel smacked him in. Again, the Blue Jays left seven runners on base. But if Ryu was better, they probably get away with scoring just four runs and take a series win instead of a tie. But uh, all in all, I think. The series was a, was a success for the Blue Jays. And who knows, maybe if they were able to play this weekend, we would be feeling a lot more confident about their chances this season to get into the playoffs if we saw what they were able to do against the Phillies. Now, we got to wait till their series against the Braves to make a better judgment. But as of right now, with expanded playoffs, I still feel good about the Blue Jays' chances. But as I said, mistakes are going to kill them. And if they get good pitching, which they've pretty much gotten so far, aside from the reuse start on Thursday, and if the offense is able to manufacture runs along with continuing to hit home runs, and their bullpen holds up, which it should because they got good arms down there, I think the Blue Jays have a real shot. Of, of earning one of those two wildcard spots. They're not going to win the division. They're not going to outbeat the Rays for number two in the division, but I definitely think they're one of the best eight teams in the American League, that's for sure. And they're definitely going to make the playoffs if Teoscar Hernandez can continue mashing the baseball through 31 plate appearances, this is the best we've ever seen Teoscar Hernandez. Right now, he's got four home runs, six RBIs, a pair of doubles, and he's absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. His ISO, his isolated power, is at a whopping 500. His BAP is 313. He's slashing at 321. 355, 821, and an OPS of 1176. His WOBA, his weighted on base average, is 475. He's got a weighted runs created plus of 215, and right now he's a 0.6 war player. Now, he's still generating a 29% strikeout rate, but. That is down 4% from 2019. And his walk rate is only at 6.5%. But a lot of that can be credited towards the fact that he's getting a lot more hits. So he, he doesn't need to get on base as much through the walks. Because he's getting himself on by generating a lot of contact. And you see that in his BAP and his weighted on base as well. Um, and his hard hit rate 
get this, is at 70%, which is up from 43.8% in 2019. He already had a crazy good hard hit rate. And right now, again, because we're only through 31 plate appearances, so it's inflated, but right now it's at 70%. Ground balls are also down as well, down to just a 25% ground ball rate. Fly ball rate is up to 50%, which is outstanding for Teoscar. And defensively, he hasn't looked that bad in center field with Randall Grichik out either. So, all in all, Teoscar's having a really good start to the season. While his, OO, his OAA is only zero right now, because he's only logged 41 innings in center field, he's got a plus one DRS. He's got a 0.7 UZR and a 27.5 UZR slash 150. So for Teoscar, it's not just at the plate either. He's doing some pretty good things in the field as well, which is surprising because, again, it's only a limited sample, sample size, but he had so many issues in center field last year. He looked lost completely, and the Blue Jays paid for it on multiple occasions. So, it's really encouraging that Teoscar is having a good season so far at the plate and in the field as well. And let's get into if this is going to be sustainable for Teoscar because, to me, I see it being very difficult for Teoscar to continue these amazing numbers. And large in part, it's because he's doing the majority of this damage off of fastballs. Right now at the plate, opposing pitchers are throwing him fastballs 59% of the time. That's up nearly 2% from a season ago. And if you look at his barrel rate, he has not barreled up a single breaking ball or off-speed pitch the entire season so far. So off of that, he's probably gonna start seeing a lot more breaking balls and off-speed pitches. And via walks as well, he also hasn't, uh, hasn't generated any walks against a breaking ball or off-speed pitch either. And he's still generating a 54.5% whiff rate against breaking balls and a 50% whiff rate against off-speed pitches. So because pitchers and pitching staffs and pitching coaches are going to be looking at these numbers when they play against the Blue Jays, they're probably going to start throwing Teoscar a lot more breaking balls and off-speed pitches and fewer fastballs. So unless Teoscar can prove that he's going to be able to do damage against breaking balls and off-speed pitches, he's going to see these numbers start to go down. And I hope that doesn't happen because he can really help carry the Blue Jays offense if he can start if he can continue mashing at the plate and generating these outstanding numbers but at the same time looking at these numbers and seeing that all this damage is coming off of fastballs to me it could go south very quickly for Teoscar and I hope it doesn't I'm a really big supporter of Teoscar Hernandez and I really hope that he can do this same damage or similar damage against breaking balls and off-speed pitches because historically it's not been so great against those pitches so 
hopefully I am wrong. And hopefully Teoscar Hernandez can continue mashing at the plate and help being a important cog in the Blue Jays offense. Now, let's move to Ryu because I noticed something very interesting about his pitch selection through two starts. And it's his slider. And I, and I mentioned it earlier in the episode, but I feel like it deserves a much deeper look because right now his slider is his second most relied pitch. So right now he relies heavily on his changeup, which he did last year. Right now he's using his changeup 28.9%. But second on that list is his slider at 24.2%. And that's notable because last year he only threw eight sliders throughout the entire season. The season before that in 2018, he only threw 16 sliders. And he's been forced to throw most, more sliders because his fastball has not been the same pitch it was in 2019. The velo's down. Right now he's averaging 89.5 miles per hour. A year ago, it was averaging 90.7. So it's not a crazy drop, but it's still noticeable, especially to him because he's a guy that isn't going to blow hitters away. And additionally, because it's been so slow, his fastball, hitters have been able to crush it. Right now, through two starts, hitters have generated a 50% barrel rate against his fastball, which is up from 3.3% in 2019. Major concern right there, just with his fastball. And again, it's only through two starts, so don't start pushing the panic button. He's also generated more walks with his four-seamer. It's at a 25% walk rate compared to a 5.1% walk rate in 2019. So to me, it all starts and ends with Ryu's four-seamer. Because his changeup's still good. He's, he's still having a good amount of success against his changeup. Needs to locate a little bit better, but that's not a major concern compared to his four-seamer. His four-seamer if he can get the velo back over 90 miles per hour, he will hopefully be able to be a complete pitcher like he was in 2019 and how dominant he looked on opening day too, despite you know his inconsistencies on the mound and that start. So we're gonna see Ryu pitch, I believe Wednesday against Atlanta. So we'll, we'll be able to get a better sense as to how he's going to adjust to these early season struggles, I, I, I would say. But looking at his past history, I, I just, I, I, I'm not pushing the panic button just yet. I think he's going to get this sorted out. I think with Pete Walker, who is probably one of the better pitching coach pitch, pitching coaches in the league I think they'll be able to sort this out and 
Ryu says he's healthy, so the drop in velo isn't related to any health concerns. It's more probably a deliver delivery issue with him, and he's kind of alluded to that. So it's all about making adjustments, and it has to be on the fly, but the Blue Jays were off this weekend, so maybe Ryu was able to work on his craft and get these early season kinks out of the way so he can dominate on the mound and make everyone reassured that he's going to be okay, he's going to be the Blue Jays' ace, he's going to be their best pitcher probably this season, and will hopefully lead their pitching staff to a playoff berth. Now, before I conclude this episode, I think I need to mention Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s struggles. And sure, he hit a, a nice home run in the series against Washington. But overall, his numbers haven't been good, to uh, say it nicely. Uh, I, could, I, could, I could use a lot more adjectives to describe his performance. It's been pretty awful, actually. Um, right now, he's a negative war player. Negative point two, Just 30 plate appearances. But he looks lost at the plate. Which is ironic because he actually looks comfortable at first base. So he's kind of turned the opposite a little from last year. But uh, for Vladdy, he's generating a lot of ground balls, which you don't like from your slugger. He's only generated a 3.3% walk rate. His strikeout rate is up to a 23.3%. His ISO is only at 103. His BAP is at 190. He's slashing a 172, a 200, a 276, and a 476 OPS. His WOBA is at just 210. And his weighted runs created plus is at just 32%. That's it. And his fly ball rate it's only at 27.3%. So, but again, probably the, the, the high point of his season so far is his hard hit rate is at 59%. So at least he's still crushing the ball when he actually makes contact. But the ground balls are really an issue. And, and the fact that he is striking out more, he's walking significantly less. It looks really bad. And again, it's a small sample size. It's only 30 plate appearances, but you gotta be concerned, especially if you're the Blue Jays. You know, Vladdy is right in the heart of your order and you're getting zero production from him right now. And it looks like Vladdy's just having a really hard time deciding which pitches to sit on. Like he's in between. Um, to me, he looks really late when any pitcher throws him a fastball on the inside half of the strike zone. He's way late on those. But when he gets a breaking ball or off-speed pitch, he's all over it. So, to me, he looks in between. And it's fine to set breaking balls, but you got to be able to catch up to the fastball, especially when... Hitters can easily just jam you inside with, with four seamers and sinkers and cutters. Like, you're an easy out at that point, and he has been so far. 
when you can easily just take away half the strike zone from him and just jam him completely inside and the best he's going to do is sneak one by on a ground ball. If you can limit Vladdy to a ground ball, a weekly hit ground ball, I think you'll take that as a victory if you're a pitcher. So his bat speed on fastballs looks really slow and, and it's a timing issue for sure. But because this is only a 60 game season, because the Blue Jays really don't have a home facility where they can go and feel comfortable in the batting cages and work on hitting and stuff like that, this is going to have to be a, an adjustment by Vladi on the fly. And to avoid everybody, and I mean everybody in Blue Jays Nation, from throwing the bust label at Vladi, even though it's way too early to throw that at him, I guarantee it will happen if his struggles last this season, throughout this season. I guarantee fans and and some media members will mention him as a bust. I, 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 I can confidently say I think that will happen. But me personally, that's way too early. Regardless, I think if Vladdy... And I don't want to blame it all on his conditioning, but it would certainly help his bat speed if... One, he had a smaller stomach, and if he was in better condition, really, I think that would help him create more fly balls, be more on time with fastballs, and I think a lot of these struggles wouldn't be happening if his conditioning was better. That said, it's really a timing sense, and, and conditioning isn't going to help that completely. What's going to help that is sitting fastballs. I think for Vladdy, I know he kills breaking balls. But I think for him, he's got to change his approach at the plate. And I think he's got to start sitting fastballs. I think just with without two strikes on you, because when you get to two strikes, you just got to shorten things up. You can't sit on a specific pitch. But on a hitter's count, and, and when you're not... Uh, having two strikes on you, I think Vladdy's got to start sitting more fastballs, sit on more fastballs, and I think that will help his timing out a little bit more. But uh, it's going to be a, a tough road ahead of him if if he can't start getting more on time with fastballs and creating more fly balls. Because if he keeps struggling, he's going to have to get moved down in the lineup. The Blue Jays can't continue to have him in the four spot when they're getting this terrible production from him. So whether or not Montoyo pulls an early plug on that or whether he waits till the Blue Jays get into the 20 game point or 30 game halfway through the season, I, it, it's going to be interesting to, to watch that play out. But at the same time, if the Blue Jays want to make the playoffs, they got to ha have productive guys in the middle of their lineup and they can't afford to keep Vladdy in that four hole if he's going to continue to struggle in that spot. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what he does against the Braves. The Braves actually have um, gotten off to a, a decent start despite a weak rotation after Cole Hamels went on the IL, King Felix opted out, Mike Fulton-Evich just completely 
got blown out of the water a couple days ago and and ultimately got sent down to the minors after he cleared waivers so it'll be interesting to see how the blue jays uh handle against their pitching staff and how their pitchers battle through the Braves offense because Dansby Swanson has been raking so far this season and Marcelo Zuna has also looked really well at the plate Freddie Freeman's back Nick Markakis opting back into the season don't know if he'll be available for this series but he may be and that will help make their lineup even deeper surprisingly Ronald Acuna has a had a horrid start to this season he's literally offering at everything so maybe that'll help Ryu out it'll help Shoemaker out and help Pearson out because those are the three starters the Blue Jays they're throwing out against Atlanta so uh it'll be interesting it'll be interesting but uh yeah Max Shoemaker Matt not Max Matt Shoemaker gets the ball tomorrow night for the Blue Jays Tuesday Ryu takes the ball Wednesday night and Nate Pearson making his second start in the major leagues with the Blue Jays gets the ball for the series finale on Thursday so hopefully the Blue Jays can finally get a series win and maybe next time I record my episode I'll have some more positive things to talk about and I would love to not have to rip Charlie Montoyo anymore for his idiotic managerial decisions with his bullpen but I also kind of enjoy it so we'll see how it goes but that does it for this week's episode I hope everyone, every one of you, everyone, if I can talk, everyone enjoyed this episode and hopefully you tune in next week for another edition of Blue Jays World Update. But until next time, I'm your host Thomas Hall and now you're up to date. Thanks for listening and please wear a mask.